to Women's Health Weekly from Maiden Lane Medical. We bring you experts from all around the country to help you with your health, life, and happiness. Now for your host, Dr. Kenneth Levy. All right, we are absolutely excited to be back for another week of Women's Health Weekly. We are so appreciative of the YouTube viewers and our patients and their friends who have joined our live telecast. It's been a ton of fun. So without me blabbering on anymore, I'd like to introduce uh, my longtime colleague, Dr. Nicole Ostrov. Dr. Ostrov was the uh, very first doctor to join me in Maiden Lane Medical. So we've been working together for what, Nicole? What are we talking about here? Over um, nine years. Over nine years. Um, yeah, about so nine I, and a half. And just to be clear, I've only been married 10, oh, I've not even been married 10. Dr. Ostrov is um, amazing. And she comes from the very pure uh, background of, of having one goal as a physician. She's a patient's doctor. And her goal is you to be educated, you to be well taken care of, for you to be healthy, and for you to stay healthy. And I am 100% sure that the information that Dr. Ostrov is going to offer us today is going to go in that direction. So what are we talking about today, just in general? Birth control, contraception. Okay, so that's just a super broad topic, right? I mean, that is... Uh, Very broad. That has a lot of information uh, to go around. We'll try to hit as many points as possible. Contraception. Who even needs contraception? Honestly, those, of course, you know, what most people think of as birth control is, is just that in the name is birth control prevention of pregnancy. Um, so certainly a woman of reproductive age, and that runs from your teen years all the way up until menopause, there is a chance you could get pregnant. And so women that are trying to prevent pregnancy, of course, that's the number one reason why you think of birth control and contraception. Um, so that's going to be number one. But of course, there are many other benefits, which I'm sure many women out there can attest to, for their, their birth control or their contraception. So it's not always just for prevention of pregnancy. It can be to help other symptoms that you have, whether it's symptoms of acne, whether it's the mood symptoms that you might get or your premenstrual symptoms before you get your period. If you have terrible periods that um, they're crampy, they're heavy, they're irregular. Um, women that just really want some control over their periods. You know, I have a ton of patients that are athletes and really want to know exactly when they're going to get their period or don't want a period at all. And that's actually okay when you're using birth control. You know, there's much different clinical relevance of not getting a period versus not getting a bleed on birth control. And so some women just wanted also for that menstrual control. So many different reasons for contraception. Let's start off with the first broad group of contraceptive methods that I, my guess is that many women are very familiar with. Um, many women have used them. Um, and those are the things we really want to focus on because you've offered a lot of good information as a, as a launching pad. Birth control pills. Very straightforward. In yeah. fact, I would suggest that what are the different types of birth control pills broadly out there that patients can use? A birth control pill, you know, they come in pill packs and it's something that you do have to remember to take every single day. And so that is something that, you know, is a deciding factor for a lot of women is if um, their lifestyle may prohibit them from remembering to take something every day, uh, depending on if they travel, their work schedule, 
Um, sometimes we're just flighty and forgetful. And, and so maybe this option may not be the best option, but it's um, something you have to take every day. For most birth control pills, it mimics the normal average menstrual cycle of a 28-day cycle. So you end up taking pills for 28 days and you're going to get a bleed about every 28 days if you're going to get a bleed at all on a birth control pill. There's, it's hormonal. So when we talk about birth control, there's hormonal methods and then there's non-hormonal methods. This is a hormonal form of contraception. Um, most birth control pills are made up of two hormones, estrogen and progesterone. There is a particular pill that is progesterone only for that woman that for any number of reasons cannot take estrogen which we you know that's why we take a good history on our patients because there are some women that should not be on estrogen containing birth control and so there is a progesterone pill as well but in general it's a pill you swallow it there are some chewable ones but there are some women that can't swallow pills um, it's something that you have to swallow it's something that you have to remember to take every single day and in general it helps with your menstrual cycles. It gives you a nice regular bleed. Um, they can help with acne. They can help with mood symptoms before your period. They can help with the heaviness of a period um, and the number of days of bleeding. The other thing to note is it's controllable. You know, I have a lot of women that we decide to skip their periods altogether. Um, they're swimmers. They're getting married for any number of reasons. It's actually easy to manipulate your own period on a birth control pill by skipping the last week of pills, which are hormone-free. So there, there's a little bit of wiggle room there as far as that 28-day bleed as well. When I'm bleeding, not me personally because I don't yeah. take birth control pills, when I'm bleeding, is that an actual period? What is that? For conversation purposes, you come into the office and even if you're on a birth control pill, we say, when was your most recent period? But these aren't real periods. These are fake bleeds. They're, they're fake in the sense that your own menstrual cycle is getting completely wiped out with this birth control. So what's happening is you're taking these hormones and the inner lining of your uterus, that's the lining that builds up and sheds every single month with your period. That's the lining is where a baby would implant itself. That's the tissue that is shedding every month. And what's happening, you know, for layman's sake is that with a birth control pill, those pills you're taking in those first 21 days, those first three weeks, it's keeping that lining very, very thin. So what would normally build up and there's a lot to shed, it's really just kind of doing like this. And so there's really not much there to come out, hence a shorter, lighter bleed on a birth control pill and sometimes no bleed at all. So these aren't real periods. They're what we call withdrawal bleeds, but it sounds kind of funny to come to the office and ask a patient, when was your most recent withdrawal bleed? They're going to look at us like we have three heads. Yeah, right. So we say periods, but these are not periods at all. One viewer um, gave me a great segue. So Anita asked the question, will hormonal birth control affect my emotions? Here's the thing, hormonal contraception, there there are potential side effects of all these forms of hormonal contraception that, well, you know, we've only touched on the pill, there's many others. Um, there's potential side effects. And can your mood be affected? It can. Are, is it for most women? No. I mean, most women actually do great with any form of contraception. But um, if you come to us saying that you truly feel that you're more anxious, you're more moody, um, you're more temperamental, 
Um, on a birth control pill, it really truly could be that birth control pill. And a lot with these birth control pills is trial and error. And, you know, my line that I tell my patients, if, if any of my patients are watching, they know is, you know, how you do on one birth control pill can be very different than your best friend on that same exact pill. And how you do on one pill can be very different than how you do on a different pill. And so, yes, the answer, Anita, is yes, your mood can be affected. But for the most part, it's not. And in fact, Actually, you know, one of the treatments for a diagnosis called premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is those mood changes that you get right before you're about to get your period that usually improve once your period comes um, and you feel you, you just kind of feel awful. You may feel anxious. You may feel emotional. You may feel like you just want to, you know, cry at a Hallmark commercial or scream at your boyfriend for no reason. Um, one of the treatments. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the treatments happens to be birth control pills. Um, and so for, for a lot of women, it's actually the opposite, that a lot of times birth control pills can actually help some of those mood symptoms. So, you know, it, it depends what we're talking about here. And, and that's why it, there is a little trial and error involved. So another great question uh, from one of our YouTube viewers. Dee asks us, how does one know which kind of pill pack we have? Mono versus dye versus chai? Um, well, I mean, you can certainly ask your physician that. And we, we know it based on the name of the birth control pill because that's, you know, every name is to us is mono, bi, or tri. Um, you could also look at the, the colors in your birth and then the hormonal pills. You can look at the colors. And a lot of times the colors will tell you if there's three different colors. Now, we're not talking about the last week of pills, which are usually the non-hormonal pill, that's the week you get your period. You know, we're not talking about those, but we're talking about the other pills in the pill pack. And you can usually tell um, by looking at the different colors. So the monophasic, you know, for the first 21 pills will all be white, for instance. And then the last week of pills can be different colors because they're non-hormonal. But so you can usually tell based on that, but you can also ask your physician and we can let you know that too. So we have patients who are on hormonal birth control pills, and I promise Alexis, I'm getting to your question. Um, we have patients who are on hormonal um, management of contraception, and they're taking pills, and they're taking those pills mm -hmm. orally, and those, or those mm -hmm. orally taken pills are then going through their stomach, getting processed in their liver, um, and their liver is doing all sorts of things with their body's hormones. That what we call first pass effect, uh, in medicine, mm -hmm. it, means it just means it's going through your liver, may mm -hmm. be responsible for many of the side effects of birth control right. pills. So we know, though, that there are hormonal methods that have a good side effect profile that don't go through your liver. So I just wanted to touch on a couple of them. Um, and I'll give you, like, the, you have, like, carte blanche on this one. Tell me about implants, rings, and patches. Now, people, by the way, is anyone still using the patch? Does anyone even prescribe? Is it, there was an old one called Orthoevra. People still prescribe that? Yeah, they do. Orthoevra is kind of out. These these, day, these days, it's a, di a different brand name um, called Zuline. Yeah, but, um, but yes, the, the, the patch has kind of resurfaced in the last, couple of years um, and I definitely have you know I, I wouldn't say it's one of the more popular 
forms of contraception that I prescribe, but certainly for some women, it's a very good form of contraception. So if we're moving on from the pill, um, you know, a lot of women are mentioned in the beginning of the pill that you have to take it around the same, around the same time. That's the other important thing. It has to be, it can't just be you take it at 9 a.m. today and tomorrow you take it at 10 p.m. You know, you're really supposed to take it around the same time every day for it to be the most effective. Within and there's a lot hours, of women out there. three hours. Now, is that the number? That's, yeah, I mean, it, re it really should be. Otherwise, you know, we tell patients you should be using backups with condoms for contraception and um, consider talking to your, you know, provider about a different form of contraception if you can't. And I certainly have a lot of women that come to me that are just not good at it for, again, any number of reasons or travel. I mean, I, right now, obviously, no one's traveling, but in general for work, a lot of my patients travel and travel to different time zones, travel internationally. And it's really hard to take it at the same time when you're eight hours different, you know, uh, you know, out in Europe or wherever. So the, the ring and the patch are still given by the patients. They're still in patient administered. Us physicians do not need to place it for you, but they're not, you're not having to take it every single day. So the vaginal ring is placed in the vagina. Um, some women get, uh, you know, a little nervous about it. Can I place it wrong? It's actually very easy to place. Um, unlike a diaphragm, which is a barrier method that is blocking um, sperm, this is still hormonal. So you place it in the vagina, it doesn't get lost anywhere. It can't go inside your abdominal cavity. The vagina is a closed entity and it stays in for three weeks. And after three weeks, you take it out and that's your period week, your withdrawal bleed week. And then you start it over again. Um, so you only have to remember, you do have to remember twice a month, but you don't have to remember every day. And it is still hormonal, just like the pill, but very low dose. Um, and patients tolerate it really well. You just have to be comfortable with introducing something vaginally, and not every woman is. Um, and then there's the patch, and the patch is a little thicker, um, and most of my patients conceal it, you know, in areas that underwear would cover, so either on the front of their pelvis or on their buttocks region. And that is something that you change once a week. And after three weeks, it's a patch-free week, you get your period, and then you start the process over. Um, so again, you're not having to remember something every day, you remember it once a week. And so these are good forms of contraception for patients that still want control of their period and the benefits of helping their periods without having to take something every single day. We get a lot of questions about uh, the safety and efficacy and ease of use uh, which are like one of the best, the, the most important things in contraception, safety, efficacy, and ease of use. Um, sure. About the implant, the, the yeah. rod implant that goes in the arm. The brand name that's on the market now is called Nexplanon. Um, it's different. You know, implants have come a long way. You know, the arm, these are, these are what we call subdermal implants. They go underneath your Skin. Um, and we'll talk about implants that go inside your uterus probably to follow, but um, implants that go underneath your skin, subdermal implants, it's just one rod. It's, you know, I describe it to patients, it's about the size of a matchstick. It's not very big. It goes kind of in your skin, right in your upper arm. If I'm just looking at your arm, you can't really tell that you have it there. So it is still concealed because that, that actually is something too that we didn't discuss, but a lot of women don't want others to know that they're using birth control um, for, again, any number of reasons. And I'm sure a lot of women can attest to that. And so you're not having to take something every day. This implant is hormonal. We talked about pills being mainly estrogen and progesterone. This is progesterone only. Um, and it can stay in 
in for three years. Nobody knows that you have it. Um, it still helps with your periods. The biggest side effect of this one is that nuisance bleeding. Um, that's probably the number one side effect of the arm implant, but it really has been proven safe. It's very effective. I mean, this one is over 99% effective. There's no user error and just of, of how it's working um, biologically, it's over 99% effective. It's really effective for prevention of pregnancy. And again, yeah, I mean, there's always risks with any one of these forms, you know, no, not none of these, are without risk. They all have potential risk. But in general, it's been proven very safe. It's been proven effective. And some patients just, I mean, they don't know what they would do without their implant. They just love it. Alexis has okay. migraine headaches uh, with Aura. Ah. Um, she has migraine headaches with ah. Aura. And she had tried the mini pill, uh, which um, we both, Dr. Ostrov and I know, really means the progesterone only mini pill. Um, and her headaches got worse. And I know that progesterone in some patients can actually make migraines feel worse. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes the mini pill's okay and sometimes it's not. Uh, but Alexis went back to her neurologist and her neurologist said no hormonal birth control pills, no hormonal birth control whatsoever. Uh, I think a reasonable uh, recommendation by the neurologist, especially if the progesterone only mini pills are making the headaches worse. Alexis wants to know what other options she has, which is why it's such a great segue to start talking about other options. And uh, sure. perhaps we could launch right into IUDs potentially. Yeah, that is a great question. And, and it also brings up the point that there are certain medical contraindications, meaning we shouldn't be prescribing certain forms of birth control depending on your history. Um, so please make sure when you're talking about birth control that your physician knows all of your medical history, medical conditions, family history, um, but most importantly, your personal history of any medical conditions. And migraines, especially with migraines with aura, um, which for those that don't know what that means, and most of the time it's you, you get these vision changes that happen right before you get your headaches um, or during your headaches. It, you know, it indicates to us that maybe you shouldn't be on hormones because it can increase your risk of bad things happening like stroke, which we don't want that to happen. Um, so there are other forms of contraception. They're only not completely non-hormonal. If your neurologist is telling you completely non-hormonal, um, other than barrier methods like condoms, um, the only non-hormonal option out there is the copper intrauterine device. So IUD intrauterine device. Uh, the copper IUD is our non-hormonal, and then we have hormonal progesterone IUDs. Um, these are devices that are placed in the office. They only take a few minutes to place. Um, I know every patient out there is gonna say, I've heard horror stories about IUDs. In, in general, I promise you, patients do fantastic with the insertions. They really do. I, I mean, my patients impress me every single day. They do great. Um, it's a little crampy going in. With that said, pain is well, it's subjective. Everybody tolerates things differently, but most patients do great. The non-hormonal one can stand for 10 years. There's no hormones in it whatsoever. So with that said, it's not going to help with any cycle control, but it's gonna give you over 99% effectiveness in prevention of pregnancy for 10 years. And it doesn't have to stay in for 10 years. If you're younger and saying, oh my God, 10 years seems like a long time. It's up 
to 10 years. It certainly can come out sooner. Um, the, the one potential downside with the, the non-hormonal copper IUD is some women experience a little worsening of their periods in the sense that they can get a little crampier, so a little more painful, heavier, a little bit longer. So again, a proper history of what are your periods like now or what were your periods like before birth control is kind of an important thing for your gynecologist um, to understand to know if it's the right method for you because for me it's all about expectations for my patients i don't want to place the paraguard in you and you hate it that's not the point i want you to like it um, and if you already have horrible periods in the sense that they're extremely painful or a history of endometriosis a pelvic pain condition you know maybe i don't want you having a paraguard copper iud but we could consider a progesterone IUD, the hormonal IUDs. So to segue into those, depending on the brand, they can stay in anywhere between three to six years here currently in this country, but potentially you may be able to keep some of them longer. And they secrete progesterone, um, a hormone that gets secreted, mainly the effects are on your uterus. You will always absorb a small amount into your bloodstream. So there's potential hormonal side effects, but the main effects are on your uterine lining, which gives you the great benefits of a beautiful, short, light, hopefully non-existent period for most women. Um, and some women don't get any bleeding at all, which, which is a huge benefit for a lot of women. So that IUD is, you know, better for the woman that really wants um, to help their periods that can take hormones. There's no estrogen though. So in general, women with migraines with aura can use these progesterone IUDs. I don't specifically know the caller's um, situation and what her neurologist said, but um, in general, migraines with aura or contraindications to estrogen, you still can use these progesterone IUDs and use them very well. Another YouTube viewer asked us a fantastic question. And I think uh, Anita is asking us the question in regard to IUDs, whether or not the uh, hormonal or non-hormonal IUD is better. And I, I'm not sure there's a really great answer for that. And I think it's tailored towards, uh, towards an individual's needs and how they feel and yeah. whether or not, uh, you know, one of their big interests is pain, endometriosis, decreasing the heaviness of their periods. Is that your general sense of the matter? Yeah, I mean, in general, you know, it depends how you're defining better, right? So if you're defining better as which one's better at prevention of pregnancy, well, they're actually pretty equal. So they're both going to be over, just like the implant in the arm, they're both going to be over 99% effective in prevention of pregnancy. So as far as better there, they're actually quite equal. As far as better at controlling your periods, well, you know, it depends what we're talking about. If you still want to see your own cycle intervals of, if you get a 28-day cycle or 30-day cycle, well, the copper IUD may be better for that because it's not affecting your cycles. But if you want improvement in the number of days of bleeding, potentially the flow of your cycles um, and potentially the cramps, well, then probably the progesterone IUD is better. So it just depends how you specifically are defining better, which for every woman is a different definition. And that's why I truly enjoy having these conversations with my patients in the office. Um, so I understand what their goals are of their form of contraception. Another great uh, YouTuber uh, question, just to remind everybody who's joining us, this is Women's Health Weekly from the experts in women's health at Maiden Lane Medical, bringing you expert health information from our team here in New York City. Morgan asks a question, can someone get a copper IUD for the more effective contraception? Now we know that IUDs don't, the utility of an IUD doesn't depend on the use 
uh, uh, or the, the way an individual uses is user independent, um, they're all pretty much equally affected because you can't not use your IUD properly. Um, so Morgan wants to know, can I use the IUD for that fantastic contraceptive benefit, but then also take the pill for the cycle control? And my initial thought was, nah, no way. But then I'm thinking, you know, she, and she, she was funny about it. She said, is this even a thing? Well, it could be a thing if you need it to be a thing. Yeah. Most people don't need it to be a thing. What do you think about that, Dr. Osho? I think in general, you don't need to be doing both of them. Now, with that said, you know, sometimes for women that are using, say, a progesterone IUD that are experiencing a lot of abnormal bleeding, sometimes we will give them a different hormone to help control some of that irregular bleeding for a short term to see if it helps. But in general, um, no, I think you should feel comfortable with your one form of contraception. And it's very rare. I don't think I've actually, in the last decade of practicing, that I've ever had to do a uh, the copper IUD, a birth control pill on top of a copper IUD. I don't think I've actually ever done that. I, I guess you could, um, there's, but I would say that that may be a little that may be a little overkill. I want to add one more uh, very important part to the conversation. Uh, no one at Maiden Lane Medical, neither Dr. Ostrov nor I, uh, get paid to endorse any one particular product. Oh, no. We have absolutely no financial gain uh, to be made by by talking about these products. Uh, we we've named a few by brand name. Uh, we have no connections with yeah. any of these companies. Uh, we have absolutely zero interest. Our primary interest is, and only interest, is offering you the best possible medical information and giving our patients the best possible medical care. All right, so we've talked about a whole lot of different contraceptive, contraceptive options, but we left out two. Right? Uh, so we left out... We left out a couple. We mentioned, we, well, we did, right? Uh, two major categories. Uh, we left out barrier methods. And is yeah. this a straight? Is this as straightforward a conversation as I think it is? So we've left out barrier methods. We actually left out for as far as hormonal. We actually forgot about the shot too. Um, oh, did we? That's Depo right. We didn't talk yeah. about Depo-Provera. So that is another form of contraception, do it. just do just it. so that everybody out there has all their information. It's um it's given in the office. So it's a progesterone hormonal contraceptive that's given in the office once every three months. So you have to come see us every three months. And it's a shot, and it's a shot usually in your arm or in your buttocks region into the muscle. Um, and it's, it's a great form of contraception in the sense that just like the arm implant and the IUDs, it's, it's over 99% effective. Um, a lot of women lose their periods on this one, so you do have to be okay with that. Um, and you have to come see us every three months, which we certainly don't mind, but it depends how, you know, if you can get into the office every three months. But it's not something you have to take every day, and, and it can be really beneficial for a lot of women that, again, their lifestyle just doesn't allow them pills, patches, rings, things like that. So just to touch on that, so we truly have covered all hormonal contraception. Isn't there some data on use of Depo-Provera in very young women and bone loss or not, or potentially not being able to achieve your maximum um, peak bone mineral density in your early 30s? Years ago, we actually would, um, even when I was training back in residency, we would only keep women on Depo-Provera for a very short period of time because of the effects on bone loss. Um, but actually, research then showed that in otherwise, you know, young, healthy women, actually that bone mass reaccumulates after stopping the Depo-Provera over time. And so we no longer get as concerned about um, your bone density and the lower um, 
phone mask due to Depo-Provera. So we can, we do feel more comfortable keeping patients on it for a long period of time and, and even teenagers. All right, so next topic. Next, so we talked to, do we do barrier? Is barrier right. method? Oh, no, we skip right to Depo-Provera. Let's so, talk about, is, is barrier, yeah. is a conversation about barrier methods as straightforward as I believe it to be? It is. Um, you know, barrier methods in general include Con, there, there's the, the male barrier methods and female barrier methods and condoms is male. Um, and females, we usually think of, although there is a female condom, but there, we usually think of diaphragms. But, you know, diaphragms are actually really hard to come by these days and they're really difficult to use properly. Um, and so I don't, I don't even know the last time I've had a patient actually come in saying that she either A, wants a diaphragm or B, it's still using a diaphragm. They're actually really hard to find um, for us to prescribe. And in general, uh, you know, there are some diaphragms that are more one size fits all, but they used to be, they have to be sized right, because right. They're, they're basically, yeah. they're, they're covering your cervix to try to prevent any sperm from going through. But, um, you know, most of us don't have sizers in the office anymore. And in general, it's they've kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. They're just really hard to use. Um, and then there's the uh, condoms. Um, and so, and I definitely still have a lot of patients that, you know, solely use condoms. And um, I think our job is just for them to know that, um, you know, it's certainly not the most highly effective form for prevention of pregnancy. Um, but, you know, another point is, of course, all these forms of contraception, they're not protecting you against sexually transmitted infections. And so, you know, condoms should be used at, in addition, um, especially if you're not, you know, in a monogamous sexual relationship. But yeah, it's pretty straightforward as barrier methods. And then there's also permanent sterilization, which I don't know if we're touching on that, but that's yeah, the other should. form of that. Someone asked the question, if you do the arm implant or the shot that's in the muscle, what effects does that have on the muscle mass? And I, I think I can help kind of answer that fairly quickly. The, the shot is in the muscle, correct? But the implant's not in the muscle. The implant's actually correct. below the skin above the muscle. So. I think the answer is over right. 2. There's no effect on muscle mass for any of these. It's just like right. any any other depot type shot that you put and it gets absorbed over time um, through, right. through through the um, vessels in the that go through the muscles. One thing that we didn't touch on, uh, abstinence. Abstinence, withdrawal methods, and timing methods. Um, so abstinence, um, you're you're being you're absent of intercourse, right? Um, withdrawal methods. Um, where the male will withdraw the penis from the vagina before he ejaculates. And then the timing, or what a lot of women call the rhythm method, where you're trying to be abstinent, not having intercourse around your most fertile days. Um, of course, abstinence is going to be highly effective in preventing the pregnancy. 100%. 100%. Right. 100%. You're good. Um, the other two are there's a ton of user error with both withdrawal method, as of course, I'm sure you can all realize why. And the timing method, just because cycle, you know, a lot of women, first of all, don't understand it. And of course, I truly, I open up a calendar and I really try to get my patients to understand um, what it means to ovulate and around, you know, looking at their cycles and doing examples and counting the days with them in the office. But a lot of women don't understand it and count wrong. Um, but even if you're counting correctly, there's still a ton of user error with, with rhythm method because our cycles aren't always exact. Even if you think they're exact, it may not be exact this month. And you can't necessarily predict that. You ovulate, you release that egg before you get your period. And so you can't always predict 
that it's going to be exactly 28 days. Maybe it will be 30 days this cycle. Maybe it'll be 24 days this cycle. And so your fertile window window changes based on that cycle interval. So there's just a ton of user error, and which is why um, they're they're not highly effective at all. I want to ask a question. My turn. Let's talk about cancer. Uh, because yeah. especially in relation to the use of birth control pills. Yeah. Is there a cancer benefit to using birth control pills? And is there a cancer risk to long-term use of birth control pills? Right. We always think of the bad things that, you know, these hormonal contraceptives can do to us. But what about some of the good things? Um, so what we do know about, you know, birth control pills is actually women that are on them for, you know, several years actually decrease their lifetime risk of ovarian cancer, um, which that's a big deal because we don't have screening tests for ovarian cancer. Um, you know, we're we have a screening test for cervical cancer, the PAP. We have a screening test for breast cancer, the mammogram. We don't have a screening test for ovarian cancer. And so just by taking the pill, you know, a lot of women say, you know, I've been on the pill since I was 18 in college and now I'm 28. You know, is this really bad for me? And in general, I tell them, well, you know what you've done to your ovaries? actually decrease your lifetime risk of ovarian cancer by almost half, which that's a big statistic. So that's a huge benefit. It's not a small um, number. It's a huge number. It's not a 50% decrease in your risk of ovarian cancer is a massive number. There's nothing else that can do Correct. that for you. Correct. So even women um, that, you know, have family histories of ovarian cancer, and they get actually very nervous about being on a birth control pill because maybe a birth control pill is contributing to it. And of course, it's our job to educate them, know that it's the exact opposite, that you know, this is actually really protective to your ovaries. Um, same with women, you know, a whole nother conversation, probably not for today's episode, but you know, the BRCA mutations, the BRCA mutations that put you at a very high lifetime risk of both breast and ovarian cancer, um, that, you know, it's actually good to be on a birth control pill because we have nothing else to protect those ovaries, you know, and we can talk about how we potentially protect you know, um, and screen for breast cancer with BRCA mutations, but we have, we don't have great things. We try, but we don't have great things for ovarian cancer screening, at least right now. Um, and so it's actually, there's great benefits to it. And as far as that, I think everyone out there thinks about breast cancer, is there a risk of breast cancer? And, you know, there's nothing out there right now that shows us a direct correlation with birth control pills and breast cancer. And so in general, my answer to all my patients is, Listen, I can't tell you that you're at increased risk for breast cancer because you're on a birth control pill. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that came out. There was, I think it was a New York Times article that came out maybe one or two years ago that scared a lot of women. Um, but it's really important to look at the research behind that. And we certainly don't have any definitive evidence, even close to say that there is a complete direct correlation between the two. So, um, and then we can also, you know, there are some, um, you know, it's even been shown like IUDs have a pr protective, uh, protects uh, for cervical cancer, you know? So there, there are certainly some great benefits, you know, to these forms of contraception. That's why we ask the experts. That's why we ask people like Dr. Ostrov these questions, because we really want to know what the latest research shows us and what type of information we need to digest in order to make great healthcare decisions in correlation with our physicians. So yeah. we have health partners yeah. and we'd like to be your health partners and we really want to partner with you in offering these information, this information. 
So this has been Women's Health Weekly. Thank you very much, everyone, for your fantastic questions. Yeah. We really appreciate them. We really appreciate your feedback. We really appreciate Dr. Nicole Ostroff from Maiden Lane Medical, and you can reach us at maidenlanemedical.com. And I hope everyone has a really fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe and healthy, and uh, enjoy.